Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. It's a great day, and today's a great day because it's the day the Lord's made, and I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Um, there are times that we wake up, and we wake up with um, the issues of yesterday, and, um, uh, and I'll tell you, you can't wake up with the issues of yesterday. You got to focus on today. Today's a day I'm going to choose to rejoice, and you can't have in your mind your worry about tomorrow. Um, I was telling the youth yesterday, when you worry about tomorrow, it could steal your joy for today. So there's, it's just not worth it. So today, choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Um, get ready. Uh, I'll tell you the word that the Lord has given me for today. I'm so excited to share. Um, and uh, this is straight from the Lord. As, as I was just preparing and the Lord was just pouring out, I just had, I was just overwhelmed. And... Um, and so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to squeeze everything I can in the, the next uh, 45 minutes or so that I have here with you. But I pray that you have your heart ready and um, take all distraction out in your, in your mind and um, anything that's been bogging you down in your week, any stress. This is your moment to just give it to the Lord and get ready to hear God speak to you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we give you thanks for this great day. And uh, Father, we just pray that you just have your way in this place. I pray, Lord, that as I stand here, Father, that I may be an instrument for you, Lord, and that I may carry your word and give it to your people, Father. I pray that you lay upon your word upon my lips and that you anoint them, Lord. I pray, Father, that you prepare the hearts of those that are here in this place. Lord, that I pray that, it may, that the word, the seed may fall on fertile soil. Lord, ready to hear your word, ready to grow and bear fruit, Father. We're here, we love you, and we're ready, Lord, for you to have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. It seems that uh, well, today's message is called Out of Order. And it seems that every time, uh, the last few times that I've, I've shared here, I've, I've had something that has to do with sharing about my toilet. And uh, I don't know what the Lord does, but the Lord uses my toilet to, to, share, to give me lessons in my life. And last time I, I told you that one of my kids had put a, uh, a pencil in one of the toilets and it got clogged. And, and just what came out of that was just wasn't a good sight. But um, um, just a few months ago, I had another incident in my house where my toilet malfunctioned and it overflowed and my house got flooded and there was chaos in my house. I have Ashley's room destroyed. She's all excited because now she's picking out her new room, how it's going to look like. She's in Pottery Barn. She's real high class with what she's, I want this and that. But, but uh, the, truth, the truth is, um, what happened is um, shortly after that, um, I was waiting on the insurance. I needed to get a plumber in there. But in the meantime, I had a bathroom that was just out of order. And uh, it's very inconvenient when you've got a family of six. I live in a 3-2. When you've got one bathroom now to share for six people, it becomes um, a little difficult when you're in a hurry getting ready for church. Everybody's just taking turns, and it's, it becomes a little inconvenient. And so, uh, um, but when something's out of order, sometimes it may cause some inconvenience in your life. Um, maybe for you, it's not your toilet. Maybe for you, it's you've gone to the doctor's office and your doctor's in the third floor of the building. And when you show up at the building, you see a sign on the elevator and it says out of order. And now you've got to take three flights of stairs to go all the way up. 
Um, or maybe it's for you that you got the munchies at work and you're hungry and you're like, I just got to eat right now. Or I just want a soda right now. And you get to the vending machine and you see this big fat sign that says out of order. It's just the worst feeling ever because you were just dying to fill yourself with just a snack. Um, and I'll tell you, it is, isn't that similar to what Jesus felt when he was hungry and he saw a fig tree afar away. And as he drew closer and he saw there was no fruit in that tree, all he saw was a bunch of leaves. And so there was no fruit and he, pretty much what he saw there was a tree that had an out of order sign on it. And, um, uh, and, and, and so Jesus cursed that tree and that tree never bared fruit again. And isn't that similar to what we see sometimes when we step away from our life and we examine ourselves and we see areas in our lives that are out of order, not bearing fruit. I mean, we might as well just wear an out of order sign and just walk around everywhere that way. I want to take you back to the beginning, and that's in Genesis 1.1. And here is what we're going to find about God's order. And uh, in, the Bible says in Genesis 1.1 that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm going to tell each and every one of you that you are called to bring heaven to earth. You are called to bring the presence of God. You are called to bring God into your environment, into your home. You are called to bring heaven to your home. You are called to bring heaven to your schools. You are called to bring heaven to your workplace. You are called to bring the presence of God everywhere you go. That is God's calling upon each and every one of you in this place. To be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world. And in verse 2, it says the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. In other, word, in other words, it means that the earth was without order. There was chaos. So God looks upon a chaotic world. And he says, if there's something new that is ever going to have to occur on earth, I must bring order to this chaos. All this chaos that it's around me. If a, new, if a new world is ever going to take place, I must bring order to the chaos that is around me. And isn't that what we all want to do, whether we're Christian or non-Christian, is that we have order, we have chaos that's around us, and we want to bring order there's nothing worse than seeing chaos around us and not having it in order, not having it in place. Have you ever looked at a particular area in your life and said, if something new is ever going to happen in my life, I've got to bring order to this chaos? Have you ever walked into your closet, into your room, and said, if something new is going to happen in my life, I've got to bring order to this chaos? Have you ever just looked at the back seat of your car or the trunk of your car and said, I've got to bring order to this chaos? Have you ever looked at your marriage? Have you looked at your family and says, I've got to bring order to this chaos? Have you ever looked at your children? Oh, Jesus. And you say, these children are just rebellious. They're just out of control. They're out of order. And have you ever said, I've got to bring order to this chaos? 
Have you ever looked at your finances? Where it's just out of control and says, I've got to bring order to this chaos. Have you ever looked at your waistline? That's right. And said, I've got to bring order to this chaos. And that's what we all want. We all want to bring order to our chaos, whatever the chaos may be in your life. But we're all wired that way. We don't like to have our lives just out of order. We wish that we can just, at a snap of a finger, have it all in order. Well, I'm going to ask you today, if you look at your life today and it looks out of order, I'll tell you, there is a solution. So the question today, and it's the question I'd like to answer, is how can I bring order to my chaos? Well, verse 2, as we read, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, meaning there was no order. There was chaos there. But how did God bring order to this chaotic world? In verse 3, the Bible says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God said, and God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Verse 6, let's jump to verse 6. God said, Let there be a firmament. Verse 9, it says, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together. Verse 11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass. And he kept going. Then God said, then God said. How can I bring order to my chaos? Number one, it's word power. If you ever want to come into your life and remove the chaos I'll tell you, you have the same thing. You have to use the same thing that was used in the book of Genesis. And that's word power. God did not create the world with willpower. He created it with word power. He spoke the world into existence. Every time he spoke, something took place. And I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to challenge you that you have to get into the word. Because when you get into the word and you start to speak the word... Your chaos will get into order. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I'm going to tell you, his word is flawless. His word is unchanging. His word is eternal. His word is powerful. And sometimes we take it for granted what we've got in front of us. And if you were to grab this word, if you were to get into this word... You will be able to put order into your chaos because there is power in this word. The same power that was used in the book of Genesis where God spoke word. He spoke a word into chaos and brought order. God gives you the same power for the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in each and every one of you. Believe that today. Believe that this morning. It's word power. You've got to get into the word. God's God's word is so powerful that it can literally change and transform your reality. I tell you, whenever God wants to create a new world in your life, when he wants to create a new thing in your life, he's going to give you a word. He will give it to you. He will lay it upon your heart, the Bible says. The power has always been in his word. I'm going to tell you something today. Be careful with the words that you say. Be careful how you use your words. Because it just may create a new world around you. A world that just may become chaotic around you. 
There is power in the words that you speak. There is power in the words that you speak to your coworkers. There is power in the words you speak to your children. There is power in the words that you speak to your spouse. Be careful with the words that you say. The word created in the Bible literally means to create something from nothing. The word created that God used in the Bible, it literally means to create something from absolutely nothing. Only God can create something from nothing. We make things. We design things, but God creates things. You see, we make a fire, but God can create a fire pretty much out of nothing. That's the power of his word. You stand here and say, and say some of you may be saying, seems like nothing's going right in my life. Seems like nothing's happening with my dreams. It seems like, um, it, it, it seems like things ain't just going right. And I'll tell you, this ain't a time for you to complain. It's a time for you to praise your God. It's a time for you to thank God for the good God he is. And start to use the word of God in your life to start speaking blessing in your life. And allow God... To create something out of what, you see, what it seems in your life as nothing in your life. The word says in Isaiah 40 verse 8 that the grass withers, the flowers fade. But the word of God stands forever. It will always stand. So number one, it's word power. I want to read with you guys a story and it's about the presence of God. It's about the ark of God. And it's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. And here the people of God, they didn't have the ark of God. They didn't have the presence of God for years. In fact, for decades. For over 40 years, they didn't have the ark of God. And so in the rule of David, when David became king, he says, that's it. It's time to go get the ark. It's time to bring the presence of God home. And so in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, you've got to hear this. In verse 3, it said, David said, And let us bring the ark of our God back to us. For we have not inquired it since the days of Saul. We haven't done anything about it since Saul was in power. But it's time to do it. It's time. Now is the time to bring the ark of God back to us. And I'll tell you, that's the passion that we need to have. That when God is absent in your life, for you to call and say, I'm bringing, I'm, I choose to bring the presence of God back into my life. Then all the assembly said that, would, that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. Let's jump to verse 7. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart, everyone say new cart, from the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ohio drove the cart. Then David and all Israel played music before God and all their might, 
with singing on harps, on string instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. Just imagine for a second. They haven't had the ark of God for so many years. And they're saying, we're bringing this home. We're bringing the very best home. So what do you do when you're bringing the presence of God home? Where it's been absent for so many years, for so many decades. You celebrate. You get excited. And you start to praise God. And that's what David did. David, when it came to praise, that was him. He was a chief musician. And he'd do whatever it takes to praise his God. And we get excited when we know we're going to bring God back. So that's what was taking place. And in verse 9, it says, When they came to Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark. Everyone say, to hold the ark. For the oxen stumbled. So they started to stumble. The ark started to stumble on this new cart. And Uzzah stretched out his hand to hold the ark so it doesn't tip over. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And he struck him because he put his hand to the ark. And he died there before God. And in verse 11, David says, David became angry because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. Verse 12, David was afraid of God that day, saying, how can I bring the ark of God to me? That day he was afraid. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to carry this ark. And I don't get, I don't understand what happened to Uzzah. Good friend of mine, he loved the Lord. He had good intentions. But what happened? Let's keep reading. Verse 13. So David would not move the ark with him into the city of David. He's like, uh-uh, I'm not touching that. Put, but took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Giddite. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. Everyone say three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. So he took the ark and he left it in this, in this person's house which was real nearby because he says, I'm not going to bring this ark back to our city because someone just died. I got to see what went wrong. So during these next three months, he went back and went back to the drawing board. In these three months, he studied what went wrong. What went wrong? The fact that Uzzah died. And so as David was thinking there two chapters later, three months later, in 1 Chronicles 15, he said, you know what, this time we're going to do this the right way. Because this time, because last time, we did it the wrong way. We didn't inquire of the Lord. There was a pattern to follow that David did not follow, that the people did not follow. So in chapter 15, we're going to see what happens. This is three months later. He says, okay, now we got to do this the right way. So verse 1, it says, David built houses for himself in the city of David. And he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. He's like, I'm going to make this place. I'm getting ready. Because when the presence of God comes, i, I got a tent just right for the presence of God. I've got the ark. I want the ark of God to go right in here. Then David said in verse 2, no one, here's something new, guys, no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. 
And David gathered, gathered all Israel together at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. Let's jump to verse 11. And so David called for Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, and for the Levites, for Uriel, Asiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Elio, and Abinabab, and he said to them and all these people, you are the heads of the father's house of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time. You see, it wasn't you who did it the first time. The Lord our God broke out against us because he because we did not consult him about the proper order. Someone say proper order. There was a proper order. There was a pattern that had to be followed. And that pattern when it's not followed. Verse 14. The priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders. Everyone say shoulders. That's right. By its poles, as Moses had commanded, according to the word of the Lord. There was a proper order. And though, so that's number two. How to bring order to your chaos is follow the pattern. When God gives man a pattern, he expects man to follow that pattern. I'll tell you, the, the ark was transported on a new cart. And that's not how God had it intended. That's not how God had a pattern. He had a pattern that it was supposed to be put on the shoulders of the Levites. It was supposed to be put on the shoulders of those that he ordained. Rather than being carried on a new cart, it was supposed to be carried on their shoulders. It was transported by the wrong people. It was supposed to be carried by the Levitical family, a Levite. And it was just carried by Uzzah. It was out of order. And because of that, God struck Uzzah according to the pattern. There was a pattern mentioned in Numbers 4.15. Back in the day, back in time, there was a pattern that was mentioned there. It says that they must not touch the holy things or they will die. When God sets a pattern, it is what it is. It's his way. And I'll tell you, he had no bad intention. They had no bad intention. Think about their intention for a second. They want to bring the presence home. They want to bring the ark of God home. But they didn't do it. I mean, they even praised God. Imagine that. Imagine in your life, you, you do what it takes. You come to church. You praise God. But you are not doing it according to the pattern that God has given you. And that's what happened with Uzzah. He had good intentions, but he was out of order. Romans 10, verse 1 through 3. Paul, look what Paul says. And he says this to the Romans. He commended them for their zeal for God. This is so powerful. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Verse 2. Listen to this. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. 
It is awesome that you have a zeal for God. It is awesome that you're passionate. It is awesome that you want to go get the ark of God. It is awesome that you want to bring it home. It is awesome that you want to praise your God, and you do so. But verse 3, it says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. There's one thing having a zeal for God, and there's another thing submitting to the righteousness of God, submitting to his pattern. Two separate things here. You could be passionate about God, but have your whole life out of order. There's a pattern that God has established in your life. The other day, Someone that I know came to me, and he saw a picture of my family up on my wall, and he says, man, I want to tell you, you're a blessed man. I'm looking at your family, and you're so blessed. And just looking at your children, I, I'm, I can't wait till God blesses me. And, um, and this is not a believer. He just said this. And he says, I can't wait till God blesses me. And uh, I'm not able to have children right now. Um, and uh, um, I live with my girlfriend, and we can't have children. And I, I can't wait until we do. And I'll tell you, man, you're a blessed man that you're able to do that. And I'll tell you, and I told him, I go, look, I have, I've, I've learned of so many people that have been through what you've been through. And God can do a miracle in you like I've seen him do in miracles in others. But before everything... You must follow the pattern of God. You must have order in your life. And part of God's order, part, part of God's pattern is for you to get married. Part of God's pattern is that you get your life with God. And that you seek His righteousness. And I'll tell you, when you spend time with God and you do, do things according to His pattern, you will have the favor of God upon you. Until then, don't ask God to bless you. Because it's so easy for us to say, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. But then our whole life is out of order, and specifically in that area. God wants us to put our lives in order. And I'll tell you, I know one thing we can learn from this story. And it's about bringing the presence of God home. Because a lot of people don't do this. A lot of people come and praise God here, but we don't bring this presence into our home, into our workplace, into our schools, into our families. And you say, I'm not a Levite to be carrying the ark of God. But I'm going to tell you, yes, they were eligible to carry the presence of God. But today, if you are born into the family of Christ, you are now eligible to bring the presence of God wherever you go. In Ephesians, it tells us because of our faith in Christ, we can confidently, with boldness, enter into the presence of God. Because of Jesus Christ, with boldness, with confidence, take the ark with you. Bring it home. Give it to your kids. Bring heaven to earth in your home. So how do you bring order to your chaos? Number one is word power. Number two is follow the pattern. Number three is take dominion. Genesis, let's go back to Genesis. There's a lot of things you can learn from just going back to the beginning, back to the basics. 
We don't have to go so deep. I don't need to open up the book of Revelation right now. Great book. But let's just go back to the very beginning. How did God do this? How did he make this happen? So number three, how do I bring order to, to my chaos? Is take dominion. And in, in verse 26, chapter 1, it says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Everyone say dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The word dominion in that Hebrew is memshalah, which means to rule, to govern, to take authority. Verse 28, then God blessed them. He blessed men and women. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. By the way, the word subdue means to bring under control. God is telling you to be fruitful and multiply and then subdue it, to take it under control, to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God is calling you to take dominion in your life. To take it under control. And this is an area where we drop the ball a lot. We don't take dominion. Therefore, we don't take responsibility with what God has entrusted to us. There are many areas in our life that God has entrusted to us. And God has called us to be a good steward of that. But more than that, to take dominion over that. To take authority over that. To bring it under control. And it's not about power. It's about order. It's about order to bring your chaos into order. He tell, the Lord tells us that he will make you the head and not the tail. He's called you to be the head, not the tail. Let's read that. Deuteronomy 28, 13. A lot of us love to, to just read that verse. You're the head and not the tail. Like it's just like a power trip. Like, yeah, like victory. We're going to make this happen. I'm the head. But we don't read the rest of that. It says, if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I will give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top. Then you'll be the head. If you carefully follow the commands of the Lord, then you're always going to be at the top and never at the bottom. See, he's given you the power to have dominion, but you must carefully follow the pattern. You must carefully follow what he's instructed you in. And you'll always be at the top, never at the bottom. This is his promise to you. Never at the bottom. He didn't call you to be at the bottom. And we're not talking about being prideful to be in the top. He's talking about order. He's talking about taking dominion in what he's giving you to be a good steward in. He's talking about your thoughts. Maybe your thoughts are out of order. Maybe all you think about are the wrong things 
Maybe all evil is coming into your thoughts and you have this tremendous battle in your mind. I'll tell you, God is giving you dominion over your thought life. The Word of God says to cast down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You know what that, the next to that verse says? It says bringing every thought captive. Bring it captive to the obedience of Christ. God's giving you the authority to be able to grab those thoughts captive to the obedience. You have dominion over your thought life to say be obedient. To be captive to the obedience of Christ. Maybe in your thought life. All you do is worry all the time. Maybe you're anxious, but the word tells us to be anxious for nothing. You need to take those thoughts captive. And as I said earlier, when we worry about tomorrow, I guarantee you it's going to steal the joy you have for today. It ain't worth it. You need the joy for today. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Without it, we have nothing. You need to wake up and say, today's the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Today I'm going to rejoice. Today I'm going to have the joy of the Lord. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. And you got to bring some word power in there. And say, God, it's you that's ordained my future. It's you that has my plans. That you've given me a hope, a future. Start using that word power. And you're going to start to see the chaos that's happening in your head. Just become, get into order to the obedience of Christ. Take dominion over that. Many have allowed sin to have dominion over their lives. We've allowed the devil to take captive of our lives. And he's playing with our lives just like a puppet. And you have no dominion of it. The Bible calls that being a slave to the devil. You do what he tells you to do. You have not taken dominion of that. What area of sin in your life is out of order? Has taken dominion over your life? Whether it's an addiction in your life. Whether it's alcohol. Whether it's drugs. Whether it's pornography, whether it's your cell phone, what is it? You say, how can my cell phone be sin in my life? Well, anything that takes the place of God in your life. I'm not saying cell phone is a bad thing. I love my cell phone. I love technology. In fact, I'm into technology. My business is in technology. But anything that takes your devotion away from God becomes a God in your life. And if the first thing you reach for in the morning is your cell phone, it may mean something. We should be waking up and the first thing you grab for is the word of God. We need to take dominion of the sin that's in our life. And I'll tell you, it's affected many areas of our life. Sin is what has destroyed a lot of marriages it's what's destroyed a lot of families. But I'll tell you, the moment that you encounter yourself with the grace of God, the word says this. The Bible says is that the moment you encounter yourself with the grace of God, the sin shall therefore not have dominion over you. 
The moment that you have an encounter with grace. And I love it because I, heard, I once heard a preacher say that grace, forget about the term, forget about the definition. We should look as the word grace as a person. The person of Jesus Christ. Anytime you read, read the word grace in the Bible, you should substitute and put the word Jesus in there. When you've had an encounter with grace, with Jesus, when you've had an encounter with Jesus, the word says that sin shall therefore not have dominion over you. When you have Jesus in your life, and you truly have Jesus in your life, Sin will not have dominion over you because God can't be where sin is at. And I'll tell you, every time a thought comes in my life, they come in my life, I start to use word power. I start to praise my God. We need to do what Jesus did when he was being tempted in the wilderness where he says, do not tempt the Lord your God, he told the enemy. He used the word of God because there's power in that word. The Bible says that demons tremble at the name of Jesus and they'll flee in the name of Jesus. You start to use that power, the power that's been given to you. It's in you and start to speak it out and have, take dominion over the sin that's in your life and say, you have no longer control in my life. Some of us, our finances are out of order. God has called you to take dominion over our finances. Let money be your slave, not your master. Let money be your slave, not your master. The word says in Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve God and money. In other words... You can't have God being your master and money being your master. And in our lives sometimes, money controls everything that we do. I read the other day, I don't know the statistics, I don't know the numbers, but it said something that, if, that, that there was a poll given to just people. And they said, if you were given $20 million, would you do this, would you do this, would you do this? So many people said they would leave their spouses for $20 million right on the spot. X amount of people said it. Other people said they would give their children, as a small percentage, but people said it. People would give their children up for adoption for $20 million. People said that they would move to another country, they would leave their family and be alone for $20 million. For some people, it's become their master. And I don't want to take it to such an extreme of $20 million. I may just be talking about your debt today. Where you look at your finances and you say, man, my debt, my finances are just out of order. There's chaos here. And I've got to bring order to my chaos. Well, I'm going to tell you the first thing you should do to take dominion over your finances. If you've got to do it, is cut up your credit cards. If you just have no control and it has control of you, then you've got to take dominion over it. 
God has told you to be a good steward of what he's given you. And if he's giving you a job, if he's giving you money, then be a steward of it. Take dominion over it. And say, I'm not going to allow it to take control of me. I don't care how bad I want those shoes. I don't care how bad I want that purse. I don't care how bad I want that car or that house or that new furniture. Whatever it is that you want, it will not take dominion over me. I will not allow it. And if you have to cut, if you don't have control of it and you've got to cut it, then do whatever it takes. But take dominion. Take charge. And follow the pattern. When it comes to your finances in your life, God is telling you that what he's giving you, honor him with it. Many of us just take and take and take and don't honor God with what he's given us. Give your first fruits to God. Honor him with your tithe, with your 10%. And not just that, with what God has given you, because sometimes we say, oh, I got to give God my 10%. We should look at it as God has given me 90% of what I'm making. And you know what? God's blessed me so much. And I'm so thankful because there's other people that don't even have a job. Some people that they don't even have any, a source of income. With what God has given me, not only will I give God my 10%, but I'm going to give an offering. I'm going to bless the other people in my life. I'm going to bless my family. I'm going to bless my friends. I'm going to bless the widows. I'm going to give whatever it takes. I'm going to follow the pattern. And when you have word power in your life, when you speak power even in your finances, and say it in the name of Jesus, I will be set free. I believe in your word. I believe that with God all things are possible, God. It seems impossible. The numbers just don't add up. It doesn't make sense. My monthly bills just don't add up with what I make. It isn't enough. I can't pay the, the, the mortgage. I can't pay the schools. I can't pay this. I can't pay that. It seems impossible. With God, all things are possible, but he wants you to take dominion over that. He wants you to follow his pattern. But part of taking dominion is being a good steward of it. It isn't just saying, God, I believe in the impossible in the name of Jesus. It's good to have word power. It's good to have passion, like Paul said, to have the zeal. Like, I believe it in the name of Jesus. But another thing is to follow the pattern. It's to being a good steward of it. If you've got to make a budget in your finances, do it. And if you've got to cut down, do it. Start creating a plan. Start asking God for wisdom in your life. You know how you gain wisdom? The Bible says a way to gain wisdom is to ask God for wisdom. But you know another way to ask wisdom is to, the Bible says to, in the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. That's where you find wisdom. Ask. I tell you, I found myself in the beginning of my marriage, I, I, I felt like I had this conviction to do things right. To be a good steward. I wanted to do things right. I was thinking of a future. And I didn't know all the answers. I'm a young man. I'm a businessman. But when it came to my finances, I just, I wanted to make sure every area was, and I went to people, businessmen. People that had their life in order. I remember visiting Omar Vasquez Sr. I went to his house like maybe four or five times in my life. Just asking for advice in that area. Because he's a man that has that in order. 
And I needed that. I went to my father because he's a man who's always had an order, never had debt in his life. Doesn't know what that is. I asked him for advice. I've asked Javier Rodriguez, who's, who's the drummer of this church, who's never even thought of debt. I asked him, how do you do it? I want to see the pattern. And when I sought wisdom, when you seek wisdom and you have wisdom in your life, then you can make a plan with that wisdom. And when you have a plan in your life and you follow that plan, then you'll have the victory. You need wisdom to make a plan. And when you have a plan, a righteous plan to follow, then you can have the victory. That's the pattern of God. And God's given us all the tools, but sometimes we don't want to sacrifice the cost of that. We still want to please ourselves. We, want, we still want to spend that extra cash. We still want to enjoy. And I'll tell you, God has, call, has called you to enjoy your life. But you can't enjoy your life when it's out of control. Take dominion over your finances. Take dominion over your homes. Over your marriage. Over your children. God's pattern for marriage and family, it's in here. It's in the Word. In fact, I encourage you guys. I won't go through it. I'll just paraphrase it. But if you want to look for God's pattern on how to run your home, how to live out your marriage, and you follow it word by word. It's found in Ephesians 5, verse 22, all the way to Ephesians 6, verse 4. Write it down and study it. Ephesians 5, verse 22, all the way to Ephesians 6, verse 4. That, the, the pattern of God for your marriage, the pattern of God for your children, for your family, is found right there. It's right in front of us. There is power in this word. The pattern is here. It tells husbands to love their wives like Christ loved the church. It talks about, it, it tells the wife to submit to their husbands. This is the order of God. And how God is to be the, the head of the house and children obeying their parents. Honor thy mother and thy father. The pattern is here. And I'll tell you, for your homes, you must have an unwavering standard. A standard that doesn't waver. A standard that says, this is the line we're going to draw from this point forward. From this point forward, I'm going to draw the line. And this is the standard of God in our home. And take dominion of it. Men, God has called you to take dominion of your home. If your marriage is chaos and it's in shambles, stand up. Stand up in your life and say, I'm going to take dominion of it. I'm going to take charge of it. I'm going to take rule. I'm going to put it under control. It's me that's got to do that. And wives, help your husbands fulfill that. Don't stand there and just criticize him saying it's all out of order because you are out of order. It's all out of order because you're not taking dominion because Pastor Kenny said it's your responsibility. 
That's not your job. Your job is to encourage your husband. You have no idea how many times in my life I was encouraged because of my wife. And it, it helped me to get our family to the level it needs to be at. I wouldn't be where I'm at without the wife that God's given me. You need to have some word power in your life. You need to proclaim the power of God in your life. You need to say, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord from this point forward. We're not going to waver. We're not going to go left. We're not going to go right. We're going to go straight to where God wants us to be at. There's a pattern to follow. Let's stand here this morning. Let's have the worship team come up. Maybe you stand here this morning and there's an area in your life that you haven't taken a hold of and it's out of order. I'll tell you, today's the day to change that all around. And it's going to be a work in progress. I think we all got areas in our lives that's out of order. I'm not exempt from this. We're all a work in progress. The work that God's started in you, he's not finished. You see, we're getting to the perfection of Jesus Christ, being like him. That's got to be our goal. Our focus, our goal's got to be to be like Jesus. That's got to be our focus. That's got to be where our eyes are set on, nothing else. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Get it right. Get it right in your hearts. The chaos that's in you, get it right. And always, always be ready to give a defense to everyone. Everyone who's around you, who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. When people look at your life, they're going to ask you, what is it that's in you? Sanctify the Lord God that's in your heart. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. There is order in your life. And people want to be like you. People want to know what you have. Like that gentleman that looked at my pictures and says, man, you're blessed. I want that. And I told him, you can have it. But there's an order to follow. And you need to take dominion of that. Take dominion of your life. You need to speak word power. You know what's the first thing you need to say is to confess the Lord Jesus in your life. As your Lord and Savior, confess that. That's the greatest thing we can confess. That's the greatest word power that there is, is confessing the Lord Jesus in our lives. To say, God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm out of control. I've failed you. I need a Savior. I need you. I know you died on the cross for me. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. And if you stand here today, 
where you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never asked Him to come, you've never confessed, you've never said it with your words, Jesus, come into my life. And you want to confess Him here this morning, right where you're at, raise your hand. Raise your hand. With all boldness, with all authority. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Else, Raise your hand and give your heart to Jesus if you've never done it, if you've never confessed the Lord Jesus in your life. Take dominion of your life right now and say, sin, you have no authority over me. I ask Jesus to come in my life and change me forevermore. If that's you, raise your hand. God bless you. Is there anyone else? If there's an area in your life today that is out of order, I'm going to tell you something. There is hope in the Word of God. There is hope in God. Don't give up. I've seen so many men give up in their marriages. Throw in the towel and say, that's it, I've had enough. Just weeks ago, I was talking to a man that said, I gave up. I have not, I don't want any more of this. He knows the word. He knows the pattern. He has a zeal. But he doesn't follow it. Too many men are throwing in the towel. Too few are taking responsibility. Too few are taking dominion. Are you that few? They're going to say, no, I'm going to get in, into my marriage. I'm going to set it straight. I'm going to get into my children. And I, will, and I will set the standard. And we will not waver from that. If there's an area in your life that is out of order, that starts with me. If there's an area in your life that's out of order, raise your hand. 